Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you another programme of the Art Monthly Talk Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. And I'm joined today by two writers from Art Monthly, or who've written in Art Monthly, I should say, and they've written in the November issue of Art Monthly, which is issue 371, he said, looking at the cover. Now, the two writers are uh, George Vasey and Maria Walsh. Hello, George. Hello, Maria. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Nice uh, duo reply there for you, listeners. Um, now, we're discussing two features, uh, which they've both written. Uh, one is called I Object in the Art Monthly uh, magazine, uh, on art and the new object hood. And the other one, which I shall just turn to again, is called Self to Self, Self... No, sorry, self to self e. I beg its pardon, which is a very unusual word. George, was that a word you invented? No, um, it was Jim Krause, who was a photographer, I think, in 2005, um, and he mentioned it in a blog post. But I think it's become ubiquitous over the last couple of years, perhaps kind of ironically. What does it mean? A selfie <laughs> is a uh, self-portrait. So okay, so a, a selfie. Yeah, yeah. A so selfie. doing a selfie. Yeah. Is that what you might say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, actually, um, I mean, your piece, um, which we seem to be beginning with, I wasn't really quite sure whose we should start with, but let's, let's yeah. go, with, go with this as we're going. Um, you have an artist called Erica Scorti. Yeah. Uh, and she, we have three images of, of her. I think yeah. it's her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing a selfie uh, um, on the, on the, is that right is that what she's doing sort of i mean it's self-representation i mean this work um life in adwords uh she made in 2012 and she continued for a year so every day um she wrote a sort of diary to herself on a gmail account and then read uh the back the adverts that were generated from the keywords so if you're on Facebook, you have adverts to the side of the screen, which are basically data mined from all of the, the stuff that you're constantly liking. So if I put in uh, cats, yeah. they'll try and sell me cat food or something like that. Sort of, yeah. Um, and so we're constantly being data mined for that information. And, and Erica's basically just saying these keywords, these adverts back through the webcam. So it's kind of like a selfie. I mean, it's a diary, really. But by saying the words back again, mm. she triggered what? I think it's almost um, disconnecting it from a from a feedback loop. So she's writing it yeah. in, a, in an email account, and then she's having the words on the screen, and then she's, as I'm saying in the work, that she's sort of re in the essay that she's re-embodying through that process. So she posts these uh, diary entries online on YouTube, um, and actually, I think ironically that the it wasn't quite a year i think it was about 11 months before gmail stopped that process of data mining so she couldn't complete the work oh um, <laughs> why did they stop do you know why they stopped no I mean, idea they're changing the algorithms constantly every every time that you go onto google everybody gets a different response because it's constantly taking data off you sort of the cookies on various websites so all of the information is being targeted essentially through the subject um, so not everybody's getting the same information. I think that's what her work is about. It's a kind of diary that's written through the language of Google. Right. Well, well I'm getting to understand this. <laughs> but, but just to backtrack a bit, because yeah. your piece basically... <clears throat> well, w w she she presents herself to a camera, yeah. in effect, doesn't she? Yeah. But you also talk about uh, earlier artists who did the same i.e. put themselves in front of a camera yeah. back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, 
there was a show which uh, I think you had quite a lot to do with, which had Alexis Hunter and mm. Joe Spence's work in yeah. at Richard Saltoon Gallery in London. Yeah. But uh, they were, <clears throat> excuse me, making work in front of a camera. But mm. how? Well, what's interesting in your piece is, is, is this comparison, really, between mm. now, which is after the internet's come, mm. and pre, which when mm. they were making work... Uh, mm and were called feminist artists, I believe, yeah. uh, it didn't exist. So what, what, you kind of compare them and say, well, how are we, you know, how are they? So let's try and do that mm. a bit now. How yeah. are they uh, different or, or the same? So I was looking at, I mean, I curated the exhibition with Joe Spence, Alexis Hunter, and I sort of, sort of my main question was to how, how to bring that work into a new dialogue with younger artists. And it seemed like their work had been very influential to younger artists. And I just wanted to sort of expand on that, really. So I was looking particularly at the photo narrative um, and the way that they use time, um, which is very significant in their work. And what I struggled with was to look at younger artists using photography in the same way because the relationship to photography is very different now. So a lot of artists are using webcam footage or smartphone footage and then uploading directly to the Internet. So there's something about the way that Alexis Hunter and Joe Spence approach photography which seemed to me typical of a of, an, of a, a generation native to the internet. Um, so I talk a lot about the idea of process. And it, what's different about Lexus to Joe's work is that Joe Spence confronts the gaze of the viewer. She She's depicted and she meets the gaze of the viewer, so it's a kind of Brechtian kind of idea. And Alexis Hunter, it's always first-person perspective. So I was thinking a lot about uh, Instagram images where people would take photographs and their hands would be kind of enroaching into the screen. So you're being asked to occupy her position and her narrative. As I see in the SAS, I see it in my shoes. So it seemed to me typical of like the work of younger artists, maybe slightly in different media. And, and, and does that, the fact that the, the internet is involved, not change this whole relationship with the camera? Mm. You know, and this uploading to... Uh, I was running politically, you know, yeah. uh, uh, are our, our artists now trying to achieve similar goals, say, as, as women, for instance? I mean, we're talking about female artists in both the contemporary and in the past yeah. that, you, you, that you refer to. Well, my argument in the essay, and I think this is something I'm still working through, is that the, a lot of the imagery produced now seems more equivocal and, and perhaps evasive. Um, so within a kind of network culture... I would say that the politics have changed from one of visibility to one of retrieval or almost compromised participation. The ability to, to participate within network, but again, it comes back to this idea of data mining. So previously, if you said something, it was to occupy this position of free speech. Whereas now, if we think of places like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, they're essentially private spaces that are ways of generating money for people. So I was interested in those sorts of... Do you mean pri privately owned? Privately owned. So you can see the say it's kind of algorithms that we constantly are working with um, as a type of urban planning, it's trying to navigate a city, but it's one that's not defined by kind of publicness. For me, it's an interesting question of who's making, who's writing that code and that software. And I think that's where it relates to uh, Maria's essay very well, because there's always there's there's both subjectivity of the artist but the subjectivity of the person that's just defining the form of representation Wh what, by which you mean literally the the, the internet itself and, yeah and, the and interface yeah interface okay like, you'd like there's a like button but there's no di not unlike button there's very manipulative forms of interfaces that that we fall into unconsciously and the work 
and the artists that I'm discussing here, I think, kind of dealing with that. So with Petra Courtright, who's a young American video artist, she also makes kind of installations, but she'll affix kind of pornographic meta tags to her work, but the titles of her work are incredibly obscure or Ill uh, illegible. So it's about courting that kind of idea of retrieval. So someone who's looking at it, whose gaze is being met, uh, you know, who's finding that information online. And I think that's where the politics have changed. Um, and, and, and with Joe Spence and, mm -hmm. and uh, Alexander, in, in the, when they were making work, would that have been uh, a different audience or their aim? Their, they were aiming their work at a different p viewer? There were much fewer places to show work in the 70s. I mean, you probably, with Alexis, I think you were talking about, I mean, galleries in London that were dedicated to, to that kind of work, maybe a handful. I'd say less, probably. Yeah. Um, and there was a huge amount of aggression. I mean, when I was going through Alexis's archives, the, the thing that struck me immediately was the amount of aggressive commentary about that work in the 70s that she took on photography as a way of popularising her work because she started off as a painter. She she thought that she was making work that was popular, but actually it was met by a huge amount of aggression by particularly male critics. Um, and my feeling is that that, that has changed. Um, and the kind of... Re I mean, where... And for instance, Joe Spence showing at Space Studio Voltaire last year and with Commercial Gallery this year, that work originally was shown in libraries, conferences. It was mailed out to people. Uh, it wasn't shown in galleries. She never saw herself as an artist. She called herself an educationalist. Yeah, because Maria, you wrote a, rev a review, didn't you, of those uh, two shows, Studio Voltaire and Space, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah but back, yeah. back in I that was July last year, I a think. A year ago, uh, 2012 yeah. in, in yeah. our monthly. But I mean, you do, would you like to join in with this, uh, just to add a bit more about you know, your reading of Joe? Um, yeah, I suppose the thing about uh, Joe Spencer's work, uh, which is interesting in relation to what's going on today, is the uh, collaborative nature of it and how... Um, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there obviously there's a viewer who looks, but the whole process of phototherapy um, is that a lot of this work were, you know, they were in collaboration with other people, particularly uh, the series with Rosie Martin. Um, and I think that kind of gets um, left out of the current reception of uh, Jo Spence. Um, she's now seen as a kind of, you know, an artist with a capital A, um, and I think that collaborative nature of their practice um, was really important. I mean, one of the things that I said about the, um, I mean, uh, the show in, uh, oh yeah, in Studio Voltaire, I think it was, in one of the display uh, tables, there was a small little um, kind of uh, small photograph um, with Rosie Martin behind the camera, um, whereas, you know, that would have been part of a whole bigger series of collaboration where they take on they go through this process of taking on different kinds of um, uh, personas from uh, personal history to work through them um, and it was not just about them but also about um, the idea that this was somehow for a kind of common good as well that everybody could have this capacity to work through um, their psychic um, histories really so and social so it's social so yeah. it's like the, the the I mean okay George I think mentions it and I guess it has become a sort of like oft quoted thing about the personal as political but it was a kind of like the personal as social which in these new internet 
things. There is a kind of, there's a social, you know, the idea of the social network, so to speak, but it's kind of social in a different sense. It'd be nice to try and really, really define what, what, what that difference is, because I, I feel mm. there's a difference, well, but I'm not quite sure how to articulate what that, what that is. Well, um, I, don't, I don't know these artists. Is Erica Scorti, what nationality is she? Is she uh, she's Greek. Greek, okay. Grew up in England. Um, it's just well, I, I don't know about these artists, but thinking, of, I have been thinking about sort of some kinds of uh, internet uh, self representations um, in another piece, actually, that I did for Art Monthly, maybe two years ago now, um, and in fact, uh, it was on this artist James Coop who uh, was. He, he wasn't putting himself on the internet, but he was using um, surveillance footage of other people and putting them on, um, you know, live feedback and working between the gallery and the the real world. And I went on to uh, think further about that work and, and after writing this uh, review for Art Monthly, and I, I kind of... Well, I wouldn't say I came to the conclusion because I'd say I haven't really reached a conclusion, but where I'm, what I ended up thinking about um, for for an, an essay that I went on to write after that review was that it was that we yeah it, that the um, that this kind of self representation you is, is sort of like turning into um, that the self becomes both an object and has a certain kind of agency. And that there's a sort of oscillation between these two positions of subject and object. Um, but it seems to happen, I think, as George was maybe referring to, it, it seems to happen through the interface. Um, and this is quite different from, I think, earlier, say, Joe Spence and Rosie Martin working with the kind of dialectic of subject and object, um, where I think it was more of like, let's say, a dialectic where there was a moving between these positions whereas I wonder if in this um, newer work in using this technology the positionalities are not quite as clear cut yeah, George do you, do, you, do you agree with that, do that? <laughs> <laughs> he says <laughs> I don't oh, that's want... a big question it's, okay. a big, it's a big question well we don't yeah. it, it, I think um, what interests me about Joe's work and Alexis' work to an extent is this idea of open sourcing that, that, that the photograph, the kind of material or the, what it is isn't necessarily as significant as the content so she constantly refers to I'm thinking very particularly of a, of a work of hers where she's first diagnosed by bre with breast cancer and she has the X on the breast uh, that the doctor, the male doctor writes on her and she restages that work continually um, and also as a teacher, she, the, 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 the students come back to her kind of restaging that work. So it becomes like a code in a sense. And I think that's what I, the way I was looking at work I was interested in. I think there are kind of similarities to the way that, that, that say, Erica uses the internet, that there's different sort of formats for the content. Mm. I think this is quite interesting um, in the way that the material becomes different. That's kind of how I start to understand what you're saying in a mm. way. Yeah, I um well I haven't I mean when I saw these images that are in Art Monthly of Erica Scorsese's work in particular I thought of um other 
sort of feminist art practices like um, from the 90s, like um, people like Alex Bag, who yeah. uh, mm. ob- isn't, you know, using... Obviously, there's a, another dimension that we don't see in the image. Yeah. But then again, maybe we don't, you know, even if you're interfacing with the work, maybe you don't really get all the kind of like nuances of this sort of algorithmic, um, you know, or or does one? Well, I was, I was, when I was writing the essay, I was thinking of the shift from the 90s to the current day. And I was looking at people like Georgina Starr, mm. Hayley Newman, um, and Alex Bagg as well. And I do think there's a kind of shift in the politics from that time, where there's mm. a, someone like Gillian Wearing, where there's a very confessional culture that's maybe formed by um, uh, TV. Yeah. Um, whereas now that sense of confession is kind of what's expected of the network, is what we feed it. Mm-hmm. And this idea of private, pri- the private space being completely eroded by, by capitalism. So this is, isn't just what's expected of us, it's what's generating capital. Mm. Whereas that has shifted in the last 20 years, I think. And there's a sense of, say in Gillian Wearing's work, a sense of voyeurism. Um, and I was thinking about that notion of voyeurism in relation to Erica and um, Petra's work, and I just don't think it exists in the same way. I haven't really kind of articulated mm. that, though, but it has shifted. I think it has shifted, but I wonder if if it's still oper- <laughs> if yeah. it's still operative as well, though. And it yeah. it's not uh, it's not the kind of like um, I suppose the sort of psychoanalytic sense of voyeurism where the um, the viewer is kind of protected from the from the image and is able to sort of put the image at a distance mm. um, because here, let's say you're you're watching this, you know, through that computer. Um, screen in a way so it's yeah. kind of there's a different and, and then also there's an expectation that uh, that that's these are set up for that as well there isn't yeah. this kind of um, um, uh, special perhaps nature of or, or, or particular nature of the image as an object to be viewed in its image um, self so to speak but it's more like um a kind of processual sort of moving through image and text data in, or yeah. algorithmic data in some way. So, I mean, it's it's expected that there, in a way, it's like the, I think voyeurism is still operative, but it's, it's, um, it's not located in a subject. Yeah. It's, uh, as, as you said earlier, in a way, yeah. maybe it's located in the actual, um, in the network, in the interface itself. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, the audience is like just, you know, I don't know, one, uh, just a mass who... Did you say inter- mess or mass? Mass. Mass. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a mess, but nobody will know because we're, <laughs> you're, at, you know, you're in your... Uh, a mass... Of of, is, is of gazes that are, are, are these works watched watched on the internet by by the viewer? Or mm. How is this? How is this Erica Scorty's work presented? I mean, is it a, a recording mm. shown as a video mm. in a gallery? Um, she has shown it in a gallery, but she's also predominantly shown it online on YouTube. So um, really, it's something you you go to once you know about mm. it, mm. find it, and watch. Click a button and watch it. Yeah, I guess. it's not. Li- it's not live. No, no, no. It's recorded and uploaded daily onto her website or onto and YouTube. And builds up to a diary, as it were. Yeah, that's all one thing. And in a sense, if it's shown in a gallery or showing online, it's a very different work because well, it assumes a very different audience. Well, that, yeah, that's why why I was asking really because it, mm. it, it, that one thing about the, Joe Spencer's work was was where it was shown because it, mm. it was it was shown in galleries, but it was also shown in 
very different public spaces like libraries mm. and, and, and and this thing of teaching seems to be quite a, a different you used that word in relation to joe didn't you uh, uh, well i think george, uh, george mentioned george did. yeah and I, I think as well yeah, yeah. But, and, and, and that, that's that strikes me as a very different approach just just to the act of making work i mean but but, mm. but are they are all these artists inclu- including the contemporary ones Somehow trying to fight back is the mm. phrase that comes to my mind. Mm. Y- you know, playing with playing with Google. I think that it, there's a very different set of politics now, it, it, to an extent that that Joe's work is very direct, often quite literal. But there's, as I say in the essays, a methodological openness, the teaching, the the the, the, the sort of mailing out the work, and, and often repeated prints of the same content. Um, but what they all sort of do is try to fight back against how institutions seek to define forms of representation whether that's google whether mm. that's the nhs um whether it's pa- forms of patriarchy marriage you know the, they're all forms of institutions and it's about sort of defining where the subject is in that mm. that's the big question <laughs> <laughs> it is it is where did you where did you end up george <laughs> in your essay I um mean, it says it is impossible to avoid translating images into subjects into meaning. Is it is, it, is the beginning of the last paragraph? But uh, I can't remember. No, <laughs> don't don't worry, don't worry. But um, let, let's just try and bring in um, Maria's uh, f- feature now as well. I mean, it's not uh, it's not the same thing. But but you have mentioned. I mean, this thing about object and subject and what Maria, you talk about the difference between well, at some point the difference between. Object and a thing. Is that? Yeah. Can I drop you in that one? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not drop me right in the middle? I mean, I, don't know, I mean, we did actually. Uh, we yeah. did. We did say we might try to 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 to, yeah. to, to, to deal with some of the, the yeah, yeah. fundamentals. Um, <laughs> did I say something about the difference between an object and a thing? Can well, you just well, yeah, yeah. before well, I launch into something? G- give me a, give me a second. But basically. Uh, it, it's something that someone else has sort of uh, talked about. Uh, you mentioned Latour a lot, uh, and I think it was Bruno Latour's distinction between oh, things, yes, and, yes. things and objects. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and it was that. It was that that I thought. Well, if if we could at least begin by knowing what that is, the, yeah. the difference. I mean, well, what um, I was saying there was, I mean, there are in a way things and objects could be the same. Um, but the difference is between things and objects that are gathered and objects that are reduced to facts. So um, an object could be a thing, a thing could be an object, but it depends on what you're doing with them. So basically the object that's reduced to a fact is like um, is, is the kind of perhaps a very uh, traditional way of thinking about an object that it's um that it's a thing without agency that it's uh, a passive thing waiting to be acted on so a, a brick is a brick until a brick i throw it, exactly. it it doesn't have any any auto- uh, any life or any kind of um autonomy of its own it doesn't it's, yeah exactly it's a it's so it's a fa- it's yeah so a brick is a brick um now in the thing about objects and things that are gathered a brick would still be a brick, but it's always in relation to something else. So it has its, I mean, in a very, if you're not there to throw the brick, the brick still is in a network of relations, um, regardless of you acting upon it. Like a wall. 
It could be a wall. Um, it could be a wall, but I suppose I was thinking the very, the most basic, for me, the most interesting thing, because, you know, I wrote this article because I had lots of uh, issues with object-oriented ontology and with certain discourse that was I was meeting everywhere I went and I just wanted to examine it a bit, was that... Um, I think the most in for me what um what well it wasn't just because I had issues also because I'm really interested in um this idea of uh positions that are not subject uh positions you know always questioning the subject I mean that comes out of we mentioned uh, sort of um earlier politics I mean certainly in critical theory the 80s and 90s was all about questioning the subject so this has been going on a long time but J- just to stop you there when we say it, just a clarification yeah. for, for me and, and listeners maybe what what do you mean that the sub the, the subject with a capital S let's say is like the master uh, the, the one who's who's you know you who's going to throw the brick you're in the active uh, position so you could say you're taking up a position of power over the the object that's just lying there waiting to be used by you the subject the subject okay yeah. I've got it so the subject um so that was obviously then uh, you know george was talking about in, you know the in, institutions say uh, they interpolate us as, as different kinds of subjects. Say, like um, marriage, you're interpolated in a particular way there. So the subject there is the is the mar- is marriage, or or, or or like man and wife. Okay, would become would be in, the sub uh, marriage would be the kind of like the medium, I suppose, and then uh, it in, you know it brings you into a certain subject position within that. So it's this idea. So I've always been you know interested in questioning the subject, and it just seemed to me that currently. Uh, there's a kind of um, a lot of talk about this kind of object-oriented ontology, and even when that people aren't talking about that, like in some of the artists I look at, there's this, still this, um, you know, this, sh- mo- you know, move to embrace the object. Now, that comes out of lots of different things that I might come back to, but just to finish with my point about objects and things that are gathered, it, so it would be the most what I thought was the most interesting thing that I haven't really spoken about in the article as such, but. Um, so an object and, an, and a thing, um, I don't, you know, I, I think that, in fact, interest, because uh, I'm just thinking of something else now, there's actually also in this issue of Art Monthly um, a report on um, a little conference and performance called Living World Animism in the 21st Century um, that talks about the life of things, the life of objects. And... In this kind of like object-oriented ontology, there's a, a, and also other kind of celebrations of the object, there's this shift talking about how things are alive, that everything is alive. And for me, this, as I think this um, report also raises a question about that. So I wonder if things are, you know, and my article maybe is pointing to the fact that maybe not all things are alive, but what all things do have, whether they be objects and, and things, if they're gathered, is that they have their own temporality in the sense that the brick, even if it's not in a wall, it has um, it's on a, it's on its particular timeline, which is actually longer than your timeline, so to speak. Uh, so it's thinking about if you think about how everything, everything, whether it be what we might call alive or not alive, um, it's things even that are not alive, so to speak, still have a temporality. They still have their own duration. That could be a form. You mean before they go back to dust or, yeah. or, or something like that? Yeah. 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 
So I think so for me that that yeah so that really kind of uh, is is an interesting way of opening up um, uh, questions about um, power. So what Latour is saying is that so there's on the one hand there's the object that is a fact which is like what you were saying the brick that's waiting and you're going to throw it you're going to be the active on this passive thing that you don't really regard except as something that you're going to use to do something else maybe to break a window or something start a revolution <laughs> and then he's just sort of pointing out I, which I think was quite interesting just this idea then of if you do think that everything if you think from if you can think outside the position of the subject you who's ready to be you know that other th that things do have uh, whether they be they can be things and objects uh, you know there is a kind of a for him there's a um uh, th these can be similar but if you think oh, from from that position um that things do have their own duration um you have to think about uh this idea of gathering is somehow to do with um creating a wider field of responsibility within within a network rather than um just thinking about these kinds of subject object uh, active passive alive, dead, or mute um, things that are just used. Because if something can just be used, well, it can be just thrown away. Like, um, And then if a, if a person is, I suppose what I, I look, I'm th trying to think about drone warfare, amongst other things, I, I'm trying to gather a whole um, assembly in this article um, that if if um a person is reduced to an object they can be thrown away also um and that might make one think about what we do with other objects um as well but it, so in the example of 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 this it's like the us military power is the subject because that and uh, which is acting on um people's people who are reduced to, to being objects facts. yeah they're objects things. as facts they're objects as facts that are um in this piece of work that i mentioned uh george barber's the freestone uh drone um what becomes apparent is that uh the the, the people um have the same equivalence as lines of washing because th that signifies to this automated uh these aerial um, you see, if it, if it sees clothes, it doesn't matter whether there's bodies in them or not. <laughs> that's, you know, that's how it identify. It can identify uh, targets in an automated kind of uh, system. So it was just uh, because I suppose, and I'll just finish then. If I mean, um, well, I've been thinking about not object-oriented ontology, but certainly ideas about a kind of, um, uh, you know, dispersed subjectivity um, for a long time and. It's all very well. Um, well, it, can I use an example that isn't in the article uh, very briefly? Um, I was last week, I, I was at this uh, uh, film um, uh, documentary about the, uh, well, it's Adrian Heathfield um, walking with Brian Masumi, um, who's a, a post-Deleuzean philosopher, who isn't an object-oriented ontologist uh, person. However, 
there is a link uh, between it's, it's a similar kind of thing where um, it's this idea that you can disperse subjectivity into sort of networks of flow if you like so everything you know there's life everything is is alive everything it's a vitalistic universe and there is this kind of like if you like a feedback loop between every one thing and another and someone in in the audience asked the question which i think in its kind of um basic nature was a very good question what about but nobody can on uh she didn't get an answer but what about if something is is bad in the universe you know what happens to this kind of because everything the documentary is about an hour and a half and it's you know it's all um fantastic in this kind of like um you know you can take in they're walking through uh vancouver and you can you know it, it's it's you can take in the noise of the city um graffiti everything becomes the body is flowing through this kind of space um and other bodies are, are you're encountering other bodies and it's you're passing by and there isn't and the, and it's sort of like a surface contact things just pass by but what about if something you know is bad maybe you would not want to have that kind of relation so that's i guess what i'm ultimately ending up with in this article somehow is that what about the drone as a as a as a limit case object that in Barber's film he gives a kind of animated subjectivity to I think to for me uh, to it exposes the abdication of responsibility of of that maybe we do need some kind to think about some kind of subject uh, position which Latour doesn't rule out, but just that he says that, you know, we could have sort of quasi-subjects and quasi-objects, that there's always, we've got to think about the relations rather than the um, agent, whether the agent be an object or a subject, uh, or on, you know, one side of a divide than another. We've got to think about how are things, um, I suppose, relating, really. I mean, because behind everything is, is a human being somewhere... You, would you would, in, in terms of deciding the effect of what I mean, you know, behind well, Google are people programming, and behind the drone is somebody sitting in a room who monitors the drones, and they are making decisions morally, or or is that is that what you sort of, but not only because I mean, some of these drones, there isn't anyone actually. Some of them have or have there are two. I think I believe there are. Two different types. That there are these remote operators, but I mean, they just wander about looking for washing. Some, some, <laughs> some yeah. That there are. They have developed a particular uh, type that actually um, sets itself. It's itself uh, automated. Um, it doesn't need a remote operator, which is kind of frightening. Uh, this reminds me. Then you see, yeah. I want to say that there is a human being, but on the other hand, I wonder if. Things have become, and I think we, George was, you know, trying to talk about this as well. Is that whether uh, the interface is somehow beyond us, but somehow, you know, these things are be technology is beyond us in a way. You mean escape, escaping away from us? We can't. Con we can't we're control like, we're not, it. Yes. Well, it's like the stock markets, isn't it? Controlled by computer algorithms. And, yeah. And the, there's no one person that understands the whole no. system. 
it's beyond human comprehension. But yet we have to, and maybe the, these artists are, you know, we, ha we have to, um, there's something in us that we always want to, um, we've got to deal with uh, technology in some way. You know, we've got to, um, we've, we've got to touch it, basically. Just, just with trying to remember Joe Spence because it, I've, I've always found her a very sort of solid artist in terms of morals <laughs> yeah. and production and, and and the way in which she distributed her work and all these things. She ticks all the boxes for me politically. Yeah. Um, but and she, she was, but she used a camera and the camera is is that is that is the relationship she had with a camera in, in terms of its power I mean, it, as an object or a thing with the camera. I mean, she used the camera mm. to do to give us her message, as it were. But she also presumably was dealing w with being photographed mm. and somebody else photographing you, or whether you know taking. But she she very much tried to take control. I thought of of that. So uh, drones didn't exist then, and the whole kind of thing that seems to be a big change now is what you're saying is this uh, this whole out escaping out from us, away from mm. us, ungraspable kind of nessness mm. that's occurring does that make that would you agree that there is that that difference between i would yeah i, mean, I didn't make a very would you? Uh, yeah i think <laughs> the main thing that i came across when i was reading your article is i mean like certainly at the conclusion was this notion of responsibility that there's a subject that i mean to sort of quote it from the line um the so it seems that the hybrid monsters which populate the collective imaginary and which congregate on, in the battle of screens and objects need subjects to mm. determine the conditions of their own objecthood, which is the, is the key point, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think we are objects and that can be a liberating thing, but we can it's this idea that we can determine ourselves as objects rather than be reduced to an object of fact. It's useful to think about ourselves as objects, though, because, I mean, where I, I suppose, where I come out of to, to this object-oriented ontology is really through um, a sort of uh, both paradoxically um, psychoanalysis and, um, and uh, um, ideas about, um, I suppose, animal uh, others, machine others, um, which come out of people like uh, Gilles Deleuze and uh, Rosie Bredotti um, and I mentioned some Lynn Margulis which is you know is it's this idea that there are uh, it's this idea I suppose about sharing um, I mean I don't, um, <laughs> the planet not to get you know in the sense that there are other like there was again the, in, in philosophy there's this there was this kind of classical idea that you know the, the animals again are like kind of you know dumb creatures and you know that they don't play or have any kind of agency and I mean aside from that not being true um, in any way it 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 also is just it pervades our idea of that the human was sort of elevated above um, the animal, and 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 the machine. And then Deleuze has this idea, of, you know, in in becoming of becoming animal, becoming machine. That it's it's not that one just embraces the animal or the machine, but it's this idea of dismantling that position of of power. It doesn't mean giving up responsibility I'd like to think but it's to do with um, thinking about uh, that you know there are other positions and other perspectives on the self rather than the self being the one from whom a perspective or a position emanates from so while I'm you know um, you know and this actually comes out of 
uh, psychoanalysis as well, um, even though that's not especially fashionable today in in this shift. However, it's worth remembering that these things have been, you know, they're always being talked about and maybe um, new technology is, is forcing us to look for new kinds of um, theories and ideas about this question of the subject and the object, which is the most fundamental of human questions, really. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, t t it makes me think of the, of the environmentalists and or, or our man's relationship with nature, particularly. You know, because if we if we empathise with trees a bit more, or with animals, or with plants, or with things, then we will not damage them in the same way as we would if we just saw them as things to use. Is that? I mean, that's the kind of yeah. Well, I mean, Latour um, is mainly. I suppose he, he has written a lot about um, the environment and global warming. Um, so it's not that we wouldn't use use them, but we would have we would be responsible for our use. Right. Um, so you know, because it's not like you know, it's it's not like because um, in in a way, empathising with trees, you see, you could you know, there's like uh, the tree hugger. Uh, that could be like some of the artists that I'm talking about as well. It's like, you know, you don't want any in any mediation between um, you and the object. You just want this direct contact with, you know, as as the tree hero wants with the tree. And that's as damaging as actually that that's kind of like also equally problematic because that takes us back to a kind of a, almost like medieval animistic world whereas we clearly don't live in that kind of world so it's about I suppose it's about yeah again this question of responsibility so it's we would have to think about our use more um, so I mean what you know there's um, you know different cultures I mean kill animals but it's like they're called it's responsible killing they have it they have a whole kind of um, ritual about you know it's to do with necessity uh, rather than um, you know it's certainly not uh, pleasure killing let's say you know they're not on well, uh, safari you know it's it's a kind of so it's to do with I guess um, yeah thinking about um, use and acknowledging that as an object one is also used and trying to think negotiate the um, relations really which is always difficult, but needs to be thought about. You mentioned two artists, um, Ed Atkins and Andy Holden, who did a performance, which you went to. Yeah. Uh, d d just maybe talk about that, because it's nice to bring in some, ar some, some artists, artists who, and who yeah. presumably are trying to do what, what, what you're talking about, would you say? Well, I think, um, I think they're trying to, like what you know George was saying about using um, the interface and somehow... Uh, redirecting um you know in in his in his example uh erica scurti was kind of like redirecting the kind of um algorithmic data that had been produced so i think they're trying to deal with uh also what you were saying about how technology is beyond us i think they're they're trying there's they are both i think embracing that but also trying to find a kind of um where is the materiality in some ways? Um, so they literally, in this performance, uh, well, I was attracted by, because I'm interested in this idea of becoming as a process, uh, which I mentioned previously. They are referring to, you know, a kind of that 
post-Deleuzean sort of thing about uh, becoming. So you move away from your kind of subject position and interface with um, animal, machine, others, which they kind of do in this uh, performance. Because you mentioned the word cadaver. Their particular um, becoming was, if you like, kind of becoming cadaver, which... You know, that's their one. <laughs> yes, I didn't understand that bit myself. Well, well I suppose it's... Uh, well, they see it as... I mean, well, if you look at it in a logical way, the cadaver is an object that is a fact in the sense that it is... We, You know, we have... That's what we are going to become. A dead body. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they were seeing that rather than seeing that as a kind of, again, this idea that it was a dead object, that they were seeing it as almost like coming back to create these kinds of associations and connections with a whole myriad of other things that they um, connected to it in the performance. Um, Images, um, words, texts. um, So it had, it basically, it, it had this other kind of vitality so and they it, which is they mentioned um surrealism andre breton's bejeweled gun that fires randomly into a crowd creating new thought patterns and associations so rather than the cadaver being seen as something outside relation because it you know as as an object as a dead thing uh, they were incorporating it um to create a network of relations between uh, images and and words. I mean, to be honest with you, when 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 somebody dies, you know, there's lots of people would say that they're, they're, they're some they live on anyway in other people and, and are not being religious. But I mean, it's just a I kind know of what you, mean, you know yeah. you, you don't forget them and and relations do change and they mm. do still have, and the fact they are dead and are now an object quote unquote mm. it changes things. So they ha- they are affecting even though they're not yeah yeah walking around doing anything. So when I would I would understand it that logically really yeah you could I, uh, yeah except that i suppose um in terms of how we might view the cadaver it could be seen as a limit subjectivity because i mean okay one could go further and say well yeah relations are always changing the, the memory will go when you know Whoever is remembered can only be remembered traditionally by who's left to remember. And maybe what new technology is, I mean, there's a whole thing now about how human memory, you know, will f- fade, you know, because we have our, our object nature is is quite um, small. Our duration is, is, you know, we don't have a very large duration if you think of the universe as a whole. But, um, you know technology now has like you know a ginormous uh, virtual memory and someone quoted some statistic at me the other week which I don't I can't remember the the number because I I never remember statistics but it was a phenomenal a phenomenal amount anyway of how uh, just Facebook pages that when people die there'll be all you know millions of of Facebook pages out there that nobody will be accessing and they can't be taken off apparently i was told that only you can take off your own facebook page (laughs) and if you're not there to do so it's like there's this virtual yeah 
you know, memory. But I was told um, recently as well that there's lots of people who thought that by digitising all their photography, which was previously black and white prints, they thought that that was going to be a way of keeping it far longer. It isn't. Apparently not. (laughs) Because it actually degrades. Yeah. And then some horror got their DVDs out and found that they'd, they'd all got white patches across lots yeah. of the imagery and it, yeah. and they, they they got rid of the the the, the non-digital stuff I mean, so it's, it's it, interesting it, that yeah i mean we you know what what you i mean i'm not saying that you're wrong by saying that example oh, well, i just i just no, mean I it's, just, it's all it's in this amazing a, flux isn't it it is in a flux we don't really know i mean this is something that just came to mind as i'm sitting here talking and i don't know you know what i think about it but it was just something that someone said to me the other day and so it's like um, yeah, just about this idea of virtual memory. Um, and, you know, I mean, the the capacity that technology might have for forgetting might be interesting to explore. There's a new Joe Spence book just come out, really. I think I've seen, of, of, of her very last works, which I'd never seen before. The final project works, yeah. I mean, it, virtually, you know, in it, at the point of death. I mean, I think there might yeah. be, and I think it's a photograph of her dead, but there's certainly photographs where she's acting as if she is, I think. Well, she she uh, had leukaemia for the last year of her life, and um, the, the final project works she made with Terry Dinette, who was a, um, that she collaborated with for over 20 years, because she was too ill to leave um, her house, she basically went through her archive of images, and they... Um, sandwich those photographs together as slides and created these kind of double montages. There was a series of works that she made after she died as well. Um, so that again, there was this notion that the process would continue, that her life would, that she would live on in some way. And even with Terry looking after her archive, you know, and sort of maintaining its visibility in the, over the last 20 years. And that's kind of what we do as artists and writers, you know, it's there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... Given some kind of materiality, or it developed its own trajectories and uh, histories um, long after we're gone. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I find it fascinating this idea of reusing previous artwork because yeah. that that is a. I mean, this is if you think of the object, the artwork as an object or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you bring it alive again and, you, mm. and you're reassessing it it's all that kind of whole it fits in with what you're saying mm. for me Maria, about, mm. about the relationship we have with things and mm. objects in some way because I mean it, it, I mean, it's actually very enviable I think to be able to reuse old work and bring it alive in mm. a new way for, I think, me, for me it was about an, a lack of finality if you think of death as a finality to go back to revisit I mean even looking at this essay I was just saying to Maria earlier that um, you wrote it in the summer and looking at it now, we would change aspects of it if I had the opportunity. This is the kind of um, the, the ability to do that, I think, is that lack of like th- there's never a final act. It's this continuation there. Yeah, because um, you were talking about the writing process, Maria, as well, weren't you? I mean, we, both of you, we were discussing before, mm. you, know, you know, it is it's saying yes to, to, to Art Monthly, you can print that. <laughs> you know, it would actually, but also your essays, your essays go on Absolutely. developing. You know, when you yeah. write another one for us, it, it will be a follow on from this. And it's it's almost like this kind of loop that you were talking about earlier, mm. isn't it? Mm. In a way, the writing process, it, it absolutely fits. I mean, w- w- the way you write mm. as well, your collecting mm. of 
of different experiences and ideas and then putting them together. You're always trying to, re- I always think with artists, you're often trying to make the same work over and over. I always feel like I'm trying to write the same essay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're actually, you're moving on, but you're actually staying the same. It, in, mm. a, in a certain, you're, you're finding different ways of doing the same thing but that that's the kind of are you sort of testing i I feel as if as if it's like you're testing your position all the time and your position remains fairly static Mm. but obviously moves really about by being tested all the time but which is what Mm. so i mean they do say about some artists don't they that they they repeat themselves and actually they're the ones that should go away and stop making work (laughs) because they keep making the same thing over and over again but really i don't think that's right i don't i don't either unless they're doing it uh like some artists do that because they have a gallery contract. Well, yeah. That, that, well, <laughs> well, no, that's obviously, obviously the cynical. Yeah, but, no, but, but not even if all. Not all. But mo- most, I would say, um, yeah, they do the same thing because that's their. There is something that is beyond you as a subject, and that's the thing you have to keep on trying to deal with. I think we should probably end, <laughs> end the programme on that rather nice note, but we've got a little bit more time. George, have you got a, a lovely sound bite to end the programme on, just to pluck out of the air? Um, if you have, I, I, I can't can... beat that one. <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll quote from George's article then. Okay, um, lovely, lovely. To end, he says, If a static image is a type of target, then strategies such as effacement, repetition and temporality can be seen acting like a bullet that dismantles this fixedness. That sums up what we've been just saying about moving on and staying the same. Great. I think. Is it linked to, Bre- <laughs> to Breton's gun? Absolutely, yeah. The bejeweled gun that fires into the crowd. Yeah. OK. Well, well done, both of you. I think I, was, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I hope you have as well, listeners. Just before we go, I'm going to say uh, a small thing about subscribing to Art Monthly, which is that we now do direct debit, and if you sign up... With using Direct Debit, we will only charge you £29 per year for the first year for 10 issues of Art Monthly. So that makes it £2.90 each, I think I'm right in saying. And then it goes up to £32 the following years after. But it really is very cheap and it would be marvellous if you did do that. Art Monthly um, would benefit hugely from Direct Debit because people tend to stay with us. And then we can just get more and more new people to add on. And we're not trying to be capitalists, we're just trying to survive. (laughs) And thank you very much, and I hope you're surviving well out there. Till I speak to you again, goodbye. Thank you, Maria, and thank you, George. Thank you. Thanks, bye.